From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Group therapy for the paranormally affected. The phone number is 855-853-4802, or you can always uh, email us. Just go to our website, RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, and uh, write into us right there with your real ghost story. We'd absolutely love to hear it. The more ghost stories we have, the better show we can uh, bring to you every single day here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Added something new to the website today, which is kind of exciting and fun. Uh, a gallery section, because we've been, we have a lot of photos that just have kind of amassed themselves over the course of doing this show. And people keep sending them in, and I keep forgetting to post them. And uh, I just decided, you know, we'll create a gallery section. And when you guys send in paranormal photos, they're just going to go right into that gallery section. And you can find them quick and easy right there. So uh, if you have a, a, a weird paranormal photo, you can uh, email that into us. Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, if you have a story that goes with it, uh, that would be very helpful. Um, or if you've uh, been wondering about some of the photos that we said we'd post, I think I found all of them. I think so. I, I, I probably am missing one or two, I'm sure. And somebody will point out, what about the one from this story? And if you point it out to me, I'll go find it. Uh, but I went through as much as I could find on emails for attachments, if you will, and tried to, to pull all those down and then put them up in the gallery section. There's stuff from uh, our interview with Andrea Perrin way back. Uh, so there's like fake pictures of the original Conjuring House, then and now. Um, there's uh, all sorts of uh, weird photos, uh, unexplained things. Eh, check it out. It's in the gallery section. Um, and like I said, if you have something weird, uh, send it on in to us here at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Uh, of course, press subscribe, share the show, and if you uh, give us some uh, love right now on iTunes, positive review, email me what your username was that you used to give us that review, and I'll reply back with a bonus episode of our show made specifically just for you as a thank you for helping support us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, got some email stories in uh, and uh, some replies back to some stuff that we were recently talking about, uh, including some of those weird unexplained lights that we were talking about the other night. Okay. Somebody referring to one of them that I do remember hearing about when I was in Michigan. We'll talk about that one. Uh, in in just a little bit and uh, what actually some researchers found uh, on those very lights and some contradicting evidence, kind of uh, creepy stuff. Uh, first, I wanted to talk about this uh, this haunted painting story that uh, that was sent into us. Uh, fairly interesting. Uh, I'll just go and read the story. It comes from the Daily Dot. Um, and uh, it's a photograph of Bill Stoneham's parents took of him when he was five years old. It wasn't worth a thousand bucks back then. It's worth a million nightmares, they say. Uh, this is how the, artic- how the article goes. At the time, Stoneham's father was in advertising, did quite a bit of traveling. The family was uh, staying at his grandfather's apartment in Chicago to save money. The place was so small, Stoneham was forced to sleep on a mat in the closet filled with dresses, coats, and hats. It was like not being in a room at all, Stoneham told the Daily Bot. It was like being an article of clothing. Stoneham regularly played outside with one of the girls from the neighborhood. During one of those occasions, his parents had both kids pose in front of a glass door for a photograph. They couldn't have known that two decades later, Stoneham would transform the mundane childhood photo into a terrifying painting that has become the stuff of Internet legends. It's called The Hands Resist Him. 
Anson Stoneham finished the work in 1974. Three people associated with it have died. Countless followers uh, of uh, various uh, paranormal things in other corners of the web have uh, devoted an unsettling and unexplainable uh, following uh, to this painting that they believe is haunted. And it's a creepy painting. Do you want to see the creepy painting? Come take a look at the creepy painting. This is the creepy painting. This is a creepy painting, and um, we'll take an image of it. I, I, I think we can repost it. I'll find out. So is that a doll next to him? Well, it, I don't know. Let's just continue on. It says uh, some folks say they refuse to look at uh, and study this picture more than like five seconds. Uh, Jump Knight wrote on Reddit in August 23, it creeps me out. Uh, this person said, I actually purchased a print of this painting from his website, put it on display in my living room. And man, the thing made everyone who saw it uncomfortable. Uh, people actually would stop coming over because of it. I ended up taking it down to the popular demand, and now it's under the couch uh, in my jump pad. Uh, the story of how the hands resist him went from a photograph of an innocent childhood moment to an image that haunts the Internet's collective nightmares. The year was 1972, and Stoneham's first wife, Ronan, had just penned a poem called Hands Resist Him. It was about Stoneham's experience of being adopted and never knowing his biological siblings. At the time, the couple lived in California. Stoneham was under contract with the gallery owner, Charles something, uh, to produce two paintings uh, a month for a fee of $200 each. With his next deadline loom, Stoneham seized upon his wife's poem and the 20-year-old photo of him from Chicago for inspiration. The hands were all of the possibilities, Stoneham explained. You were left with the question, are those disembodied hands? Are they dismembered, floating there in space, or are they connected to the bodies? Stoneham wrapped up uh, a contract in 1974 with a large gallery, uh, and there he put up the hands resist him. It was purchased by actor John Marley, famous for his role as the movie producer of The Godfather, a character most people remember for a scene where he uh, wakes up to find his uh, severed horse head in a bed. The gallery uh, show also led to the painting's first press mention in a review of the Los Angeles Times, noted by art critic Henry uh, Seldes. Between 1978 and 1984, three of the men closest to the hands resist him died. Seldes in 1978, uh, Farguston in uh, 1981, and Marley in 1984. Although he actually sold the painting before he passed, uh, it would be another 26 years before Stoneham heard of his painting again. Unbeknownst to him, it had been abandoned behind a California brewery turned art space. In 2000, the painting resurfaced as a listing on eBay. The family selling it wrote a horror story and the product description that reads something like out of a bad Stephen King knockoff. When we received this painting, we thought it was really good art, the eBay seller wrote. At the time, we wondered a little why a seemingly perfect fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't. One morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. The father of the young girl set up a motion-sensitive camera in her room to show the daughter uh, that there was nothing to be afraid of. Instead, he saw the boy crawl from the painting. The last two pictures support uh, uh, purport uh, to show the doll coming to life uh, and using a gun held in her hand to force the boy uh, leaving the painting, uh, the BBC reported in 2002. These details proved to be a huge draw for buyers. The eBay listing was viewed by more than 30,000 times. Uh, some of these views even uh, com- uh, complained to the seller about experiencing supernatural occurrences after merely visiting the listing. 
Uh, one reported hearing an exorcist-type voice along with a blast of hot air. Uh, one of the people reported. Another reported that he became ill while viewing the painting and had to burn white sage to cleanse his house afterwards. Another reported a blackout mind control experience. By the time the painting was sold to a gallery... For a little over $1,000, its legend had spread across the Internet after a month. Uh, and the eBay auction ended. Smith smoke, spoke with a paranormal website about life after purchasing what had become the haunted eBay painting. Uh, and they said, I wish I could report a bizarre happening or mind possession type thing. But the uh, unusual things started happening in the first email and counting. Smith said in 2000, prayers and quotes from the scriptures from a man of faith advices how to cleanse my residence of this evil thing from a Native American shaman in Mississippi. Reports of people being repulsed, made physically ill or suffering from a blackout mind control experiences. Today, the painting rests in a storage uh, pocket in a Smith's Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, looks like there's a, uh, a documentary being made on it. Um. I'm just seeing if there's anything else that's happened here. Uh, nothing has ever happened to the point where I consider it serious. This is what the new owner says. It's kind of got its own mystique that's growing here. Uh, to this day, Stenum 67 still receives a handful of messages each week from people terrified by the haunted eBay painting. So, there's the haunted eBay painting. Okay. Should we put it up on our website? No. Do we want our... <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of... It's a, it's a creepy painting. It, yeah. it, it looks like a creepy haunted doll. Um, I don't know. It's a bizarre picture, but yeah. It is. It's a bizarre picture. I don't like it. I, I wonder if uh, if there's any more to that story of the, the motion sensors and the people coming out of the painting or if that was all, you know, somebody making up a story to try and sell this painting. Because it sounds like it didn't really go for all that much money. No. In terms of valuable art, you know? Sounds like good marketing. Yeah, it really kind of does. We should make some creepy paintings and try and market them. No, I don't want to do that. It's like the haunted doll lady. That's just ridiculous. The lady that's there's a lady that sells ghost dolls yeah. or, or haunted dolls or claims that they're haunted. And they, are they on eBay also? Uh, they're on her own website. Really? I don't know if she sells them on eBay too, but it's just it's really bizarre. Kind of uh, sounds like she's dealing with black magic. Yeah, it really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's really kind of dark. Um, so anyhow, a listener sent us in the story of the haunted painting. So if anyone has any more uh, insight into the haunted painting story, uh, feel free to uh, to write in. That's what we found. Uh, Raquel writes in, uh, Tony, were you referring to the uh, uh, Paulding lights when you uh, told about the ghost light phenomenon you were connected uh, to with an old abandoned train line in northern Michigan? Uh, I don't know if that's what I was referring to, but I do remember hearing about this one. I, I, the one I was saying that was in northern Wisconsin, but uh, I was near northern Michigan, and I think I remember hearing about this when we did the the yearly ghost show. Um, I looked up the uh, the Paulding lights, um, and uh, here's what the, the entry says. It's a light that appears in a valley that lies outside of Paulding, Michigan. Reports of the light... Uh, have appeared since the 1960s when popular folk folklore uh, providing such explanations as ghosts, geologic activity, swamp gas, and 2010 Sci-Fi's channel, Fact or Fake Paranormal Files conducted a paranormal investigation and con- concluded that the appalling lights were unexplained. And this is one of those things where you look off into the distance and you see these lights that do run near an old, essentially, railroad track. 
Uh, however, Michigan Tech students conducted a scientific investigation in 2010 and were able to see automobile headlights and taillights and viewing the lights through a telescope and were able to recreate it by driving a car through a specific stretch of U.S. Highway 45. Okay. So one uh, group says no conclusive evidence. The other one could figure something out. The thing is, the the issue with it is you can't see that stretch of highway to the bare eyes. Um, but apparently there's some sort of layer in the atmosphere that can be reflective. All, I think it's like almost how we see like uh, mirages. Okay. You know, where you off in the distance, look like there's water down the road. Um, and at night... Sometimes those lights can reflect off that era of the atmosphere, essentially. I think it's like right where, you know, essentially you're kind of seeing the curve. And it's just, I think, the perfect place for that to bounce. And at night, you will see the bouncing light. And then people think they're seeing something. And they're unaware there's even a highway over there because it's so far away and normally completely not viewable. Okay. All right. So that would be the scientific explanation. Although part of me wants to go, that's so pretty creepy. Could be something else. Well, it sounds pretty creepy, but I mean, that... <laughs> it seems more like a reasonable explanation yeah. for what it is. Yeah, it does. Because, you know, the first time you see a mirage, you swear there's water on the road. Sure. You know, so if it's something that It's an atmospheric like condition, yeah. essentially, that occurs that otherwise you may not know about, unless you're a scientist. You know, I'd be interested to know what the atmospheric conditions are when people do see that, so they can try and start tracking to see exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Is it always the same time of the year? Uh, it's just a, it's in the evening hours. Is It's really not necessarily a time of year. I think they see it year-round, okay. but it's only viewable in the evening hours because of the darkness and the light reflecting. In daylight hours, you probably won't be able to see it because it would be so faint. You know, it'd be like having a flashlight mm-hmm. out you know, in, in daylight. So that's interesting. I don't know if that was what I was referring to, though. If anyone knows of the one in uh, central Wisconsin, uh, I'd love some insight on that one. Uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller to 855-853-4802 here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello. Hey, Tony and Jenny. Uh, my name's Autumn. I'm 23 years old, and I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. Big fan of your show. It's really great to actually find a show that's helping me a lot. Um, I've actually got a few stories for you guys, but I think I'll start small and begin with the one that really started everything for me. Um, growing up, my grandparents lived on a farm that had been in the family for about two or three generations. It was bought in 1922. House was built in 1924. And I have so many wonderful memories of going there as a child. It was pretty much my second home. Now, when I was about 15, my grandfather died from cancer and we could not afford to keep the house in the family, which was devastating because we thought it was something that would always be there. So we wound up having to sell the house to a young couple who wanted to turn it into a fishery. And we were, while we weren't very happy about it, we we had high hopes for it. So, We sold the house and the couple wound up splitting up and the house now looks overrun and dirty and the grass is growing over and it's just, it's really bad and really, really awful. So um, bring this to me. Um, I've been dreaming about the house since the day we sold it. I have been having dreams where I'm 
walking through it, where my grandfather's still alive, where I live in it, where I'm renovating it. It's just simple, very strange dreams, but nothing that really worried me. Now, last summer, um, I was working a very stressful office job that I absolutely did not like. And I started having very dark dreams about the house. And they weren't just like every once in a while, they were every single night. I would wake up in a cold sweat, you name it, and like every single crazy thing you can possibly think of, cold sweat, shaking, tears, it was really scary. These dreams, I would be in the house and I would see these people walking around in there that I didn't know and they were sobbing or they were angry or they were sad and it was just really creepy and just completely distorted my view of the house that I grew up loving. Now, the dreams got worse as the summer progressed, and I started to dream about my great-grandfather. His name was August, and I never met him. He died in the 70s. And in these dreams I was having, he would grab me and shake me and yell at me and say, why didn't you keep it in the family? Why did you let this go? How could you do this? And the dreams would absolutely terrify me. But it got worse because when I would wake up, he'd be by my bed still yelling at me. And I thought I was absolutely crazy and I was not sure what to do. And these dreams went on for about two or three months. Towards the end of the summer, um, I was nearing the end of my rope. I wasn't sure what to do. I suffer from depression and anxiety and I had become so sad and so distraught by these nightmares that I was actually in a very dark place. And I just remember all of a sudden, it was the middle of August, I started dreaming that he was taking me downstairs in the house. He took me to the basement and he said, I want you to go back to where it all began. I want you to go back to the start. It is very important. You need to do this. You need to go back to the start. I had no idea what he was talking about. I did not know what he meant. I was absolutely at a loss. I am the kind of person that does not like to trouble other people with my problems. So I've been keeping my depressed state to myself. And one day I decided to break and I called my dad and my dad brought me home. I decided that after doing some research that possibly a good way to get my grandfather's spirit to rest and to leave me alone would be to go actually speak with him directly. So I drove to the cemetery where he was buried. I sat down on the ground next to him and I said, hey grandpa, I'm really sure I can keep the house in our family. I know that because I'm the oldest, it should have gone to me, but I'm really sorry and there's nothing I can do about it. I just hope that you can move on and be at peace. I love you very much and I'm, I'm really sorry. And after that, I came to a realization as to why he kept trying to bring me to the basement of the house. My family means the world to me. They are my absolute everything. I would be nothing without them. He was bringing me to the basement because the basement is a foundation, telling me to go back to the start to where it all began. He was telling me to tell my mom and dad about the problems I was having, about the anxiety, about the abusive boyfriend I had at the time, which I did not previously mention. But he was telling me to go to them and to step forward because he knew that they could help me. And as soon as that happened, I went to my mom and dad. 
I was able to go see a wonderful doctor and therapist. I'm doing much better now, and every dream I've had about the house since has been relatively pleasant, and I have not seen my great-grandpa since then. Anyway, thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. Um, I hope to continue listening to your show. It's wonderful. It brings me a lot of help as I continue to experience paranormal and supernatural things on a regular basis. So I just hope you guys continue doing your show. And thank you so much for listening to my story. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for your call. And thanks for, you know, being so open and sharing that with us. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned before, I, I suffer from both depression and anxiety. Sometimes it's worse than others. But I've been in your position where I've had a job that I hated. And sometimes when you suffer from that, you feel like there is absolutely no way out. Like you don't have any choices. And we've talked about how sometimes when you, you know, get more and more depressed that that can kind of bring things on. So I'm not at all surprised that that kind of coincided with your being so unhappy and dissatisfied at work that that this kind of started happen happening. And, you know, I think it's great that you did finally reach out to your family. And that was the message that was being conveyed to you through your grandfather. What do you think, Tony? I'm confused about the part where she uh, um, woke up and, and saw the entity outside of her dream. So that was because at first I was thinking that was going to be dark. I was thinking that was going down some sort of dark path, but it actually ended up being helpful. So it ended up kind of being a somewhat confrontational mean ghost that led kind of led her on this other path. Is that kind of what she is that? Does that make sense? So that's an interesting. Usually when ghosts are dark and mean, they're dark and mean. But it's actually it was like almost tough love from a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, very much. A, you're not going to do this. I'm not going to let this happen to you. You're going to get yourself together, and here's how you're going to do it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of times you, know, you can have dreams, and they're somewhat subliminal meanings to them, and I don't necessarily think they're always paranormal by any means, but I guess what made that story, because that was the one part of the story that stood out, well, okay, maybe this is paranormal. Um was the fact that she did see the entity outside of the dream. But see, I'm always highly suspect when there is something else going on that mm-hmm. that causes turmoil because, you know, that can really stir stuff up. Mm-hmm. And so I think very much some of your dreams can still be paranormal, whether or not you're awake yeah. or asleep. I think things can happen either sure. way. I wonder if there's gold buried in the basement, too. Maybe there's something else in the basement, too. Maybe it's like, okay, you got your life back together. But what if they say, come back? Foundation. No. The foundation of the house. Literally. Shovel. Here's a shovel. We could only wish. That would solve a lot of problems for her. <laughs> Suddenly, they're showing up with pickaxes in my room in the middle of the night. I don't know why. But, no. Okay, good story. No, I appreciate the uh, the call. And that's that was an interesting, very interesting uh, angle of a ghost story that I've never heard before. Yeah. You know, where it's, it's it was tough love from a ghost, really. I like that. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us. Dennis writes in, hi, my name is Dennis, and I work a graveyard shift as, as a security guard for a weekly suite property in Las Vegas. I've worked this property for several months now, and I've gotten to know a few of the long-term tenants very well. 
and told me stories of prior tenants who died in a couple of the units. One tenant named Penny, who just recently moved, stated that her unit is haunted by a man who was murdered just a few years back. Nightly, I have to do my rounds and check on all of the vacant units. So last night, as I proceeded to check out Unit 209, which was Penny's old unit, I conveniently received a call from her. I told her where I was, and she told me to turn on all the lights in the apartment and wait in the bedroom. She said I'll eventually see a tall shadow in the shape of a man standing near the bathroom. First, I said, hell no. She said it wouldn't do anything, but stand there, and it would, wouldn't bother me. So I said, okay. I turned out all the lights, waited approximately 10 minutes. And sure enough, there it was, right in the hallway, between the bedroom door and the bathroom door, just standing there. It was darker than all the other shadows being casted in the room. I damn near crapped my pants. Mind you, I'm still on the phone with Penny, and I swear my voice wasn't up, was up an octave when I screamed, and I'm freaking out here. I quickly ran past the figure, out the door. I even left the unit unlocked. Now, this is where it gets even creepier. I hurled myself down two flights of stairs. When I got to the bottom, uh, there's an elevator there. I walked past the elevator and the door opened. No one was inside. I sped walked past the elevator to the office where I did my nightly reports. I get inside, lock the door, and just wait. At this point, I'm scared shitless. And out of the corner of my eye, from behind the desk where I'm sitting, I see the office door, which there's a small window, a face peeking through the glass. Whatever this thing was, it followed me. Next to me, there's a computer monitor which shows a view of the camera outside the office. I look at the camera and there's no one there. Needless to say, I finished the rest of my shift in the office. I didn't even type my report. How would I describe this to the property manager? I don't even want to go to work tomorrow. Well, that's my story. Thanks for listening. Bizarre. Yeah. I would be checking that footage. Yeah. I mean, when he glanced at it, he didn't see anything, but I'm wondering if you look back a little bit. If nothing else, just to watch yourself having the reactions. Sure. That would be interesting to see, and, and to see if, if, you, if he is recounting it as exactly it happened. Because sometimes when you get into those situations where you're really freaked out and your adrenaline's pumping, sometimes when you recall things, they can sometimes be out of order or... or in a different way than what you necessarily recall. It's not to say what ha- he's talking about didn't happen. It would just be interesting to see the chronological order as documented on camera and see if that can help him put some pieces together or find some more evidence as to what he just talked about. Thoughts? He's not going to like what I have to say. Go ahead. I think it was a psychological thing going on because I think having just heard the story, I just... I have no doubt that he believes he saw that. Uh-huh. But going in there, waiting 10 minutes, and there it is? I don't know. It's It, it could kind of be like me when I was a kid seeing the uh, the Michael Jackson zombies hanging around the house. Yeah. And, uh, and, and fully, I mean, I, like I said, it's one of those things where just, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that yours, because yours was recurring with your imaginary friend. Sure. I had this one occurrence, but I can... That's the only thing I can compare to that, where I can say that I physically saw something. Sure. But yours was like a regular thing. Mine was the one time because I freaked the hell out of myself, and you weren't even in any sort of state to be freaked out. Um, this guy was. This guy was, you know, kind of amped up, almost want, waiting to see something, and then bam. Okay, so the former, the former tenant mm-hmm. said it happened like clockwork, mm-hmm. right? I believe so. Okay, so why not go back with an expert? 
If it happens like clockwork, go back again. Yes, yeah, go back. See what happens. Go back. Have cameras. Have that's what I'm saying with the cameras. Check out what the have, cameras show. Well, not even not even just from the night before. Go back and do it again. If it happens like clockwork, let's see what's going on. See what happens again. Yeah, let's see what happens again. Take a meter with you. Yeah, see what's going on. Let us know what happens again if it happens again, or if you quit your job. <laughs> One of the two. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to another call. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. This is Mary from California. Um, actually, I'm seeking input from you guys and all the listeners. I've been experiencing and my daughter recently, you know about all my stories about how I help people talk with those who have passed on and it's total strangers etc etc Cisco she knows all about it shout out to Cisco go girl anyway uh, what also tends to happen I'm a certified hospice volunteer seeing a lot of interesting things what often happens when people are dying is they will see people visiting them that those family members that are around them do not see. They'll see somebody who has passed on. Say a woman's dying, she will see her husband there in the room with her who has passed on perhaps years ago. And it's common in our family. In fact, I often get visitations from those who've passed on um, when a family member is getting near the end or I hate to say the end because to me it's not the end. But at any rate, uh, it happened with my mother. It just runs in the family. Well, it's been happening with my father who's getting close to 91. But what's been going on is whoever's waiting for him, at first he was living with my oldest daughter who was helping take care of him. The dog was going crazy, barking in the hallway. My granddaughter, who can see spirits, was seeing things. But specifically at night, everybody would be asleep. And all of a sudden, my daughter would hear bang, 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 like somebody pounding on the walls. She would think it was dad, my, you know, her grandfather, needing help. She'd rush down the hall to his room only to find out he's sleeping soundly in bed. Uh, Same thing at night, the doorbell would ring. And they're not in a neighborhood where some kids or anybody else is going to be running around ringing the doorbell at 2 or 3 in the morning. They didn't open the door, of course. Never, ever open the door, by the way. Do not open the door. And other things, sounds... Uh, names would be getting called her name would be called in the middle of the night again she would think it was my dad she'd rush down the hall he's asleep and one night well I had to stay a couple of nights she was out of town so I was staying at the house to take care of dad and help with the grandkids and I figured okay we'll see if this is just in her imagination or something's really going on. Well, I could see what's going on as soon as I walked in the house. 
there's sort of a heaviness, not a bad negative heaviness, but you could feel the energy in my dad's room and in the hallway. So I kind of told everybody, the heads of these, all right, guys, let's try to keep it quiet. Because the only person oblivious to all of this, of course, is my father. He's not dying, literally. He just hasn't been doing well. I think perhaps the end is coming, but people are anxious to see him on the other side. So I go to bed. Everything's good. Sure enough, bang, bang on the, on the wall. I think, oh, Dad needs something. I go down the hall. He's asleep. I'm thinking, okay, here we go. I go back to bed. I'm asleep. Then all of a sudden, I hear the sound of his walker. It has a very distinct sound as it comes down the hall, and he bumps it against the bedroom door. You know, bump, bump, bump. Not being able to open the bedroom door. I thought, oh, gosh, I didn't hear him, and he's trying to get the bedroom door open. So I opened the bedroom door, expecting my dad to be standing there needing some help, and there's nothing there. I go down to his room. He's asleep in bed. There's the walker right next to the bed. And, um, you know, that was it. I proceeded to kind of have a chat with the entities and say, look, you're welcome. I understand you want to be there for dad. You're ready for him. You're excited to see him. But my grandchildren need to be able to sleep. My daughter needs to be able to sleep. And the next night, everything was quiet. And we eventually had to move him into an assisted living facility and literally instructed my daughter, you've got to tell everybody, all the entities, he's moving, I'm moving my grandpa, please hop in the car with us, I'll show you where we're going. She did, and the house has been quiet ever since, with the exception of one entity Evidently, my grandfather, who's decided he likes a fair in the house, but he's a happy guy, doesn't bother anybody. You know, he just he brings a lightness to the house, so we've let him stay. And I visited my dad where he lives now. He's very happy. But as soon as I walked in the room, I could feel the gang's all there, you know. But I'm just curious if anybody else has experienced this and, uh, you know, how you feel about it. And that's it. Thank you. Bye. Be interesting to get some responses if anyone has any uh, feedback on that. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in uh, with uh, with any stories that relate to that. I've, I've not been in... I've not been through that, mm-hmm. I will say, yet, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any experience. You? Actually, I do. Go ahead. Um, both of my parents uh, passed away at hospice. Mm-hmm. And I do have experience being with them and where they are seeing people on the other side mm-hmm. and able to talk with them and tell us who they're seeing. So... You know, I I really believe there are people waiting there, Mm -hmm. and some of them were recognizable, and some of them they didn't know, but I'm thinking because of the room, and this was a hospice home, Mm -hmm. 
not in their own personal homes. And they, my stepdad actually saw people he didn't know mm-hmm. sitting there. But I'm figuring that how many people have passed away in that room? And he's probably seeing if those you're, people. If you're yeah. starting to, to essentially open up that window to the other side, mm-hmm. it's probably everyone on the other side. It's, it's not this is maybe not just yeah. It's not just the folks that you know. Well, exactly. Maybe other people that are still. He told us that yeah. he saw people sitting with us on the couch. Really. Before he passed, yes, and he. It was funny because he kind of was comical about it. He yeah. said. Oh, there's a really ugly woman sitting next to you uh-huh. on the couch there. And I said, well, who is she? Well, I don't know. And, you know, that made yeah. us think. But then he also saw my mother. He saw yeah. his current or his former wife mm-hmm. from another marriage. Mm-hmm. So he saw those people. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about that, I, my imagery that goes through my mind is like when you're getting off a plane, you know, and you're coming down the 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 tunnel between the plane and the airport Mm -hmm. you're seeing all kinds of people but Mm -hmm. then you recognize the ones that are there waiting for you right Mm -hmm. you know so it's probably i would think pretty similar to that you know you're going to see a lot of coming and going and Mm -hmm. and everything like that i believe that also yeah that Mm -hmm. seems to make sense Mm -hmm. i'm wondering when it comes to like hospice homes and maybe this is something too and it kind of relates to what mary was talking about um anyone with insight into that is there a lot of paranormal activity that happens in a hospice home? Just, I mean, if because the people are, there's a lot of comings and goings. It's kind of like an airport terminal for ghosts. Um, are there, is there paranormal activity that happens to folks other than the folks that are there as patients that are dying? You know, like do the, you know, is there a lot of reports of folks who are there with their loved one? Uh, seeing or experiencing unexplained phenomena, whether it be a purse being knocked off a bench or seeing flat-out apparitions of, of things. How common is that in a hospice area? Is that like a hotbed for that sort of thing to be happening? Have your listeners call in on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that that may be a hotbed for it. I don't know. That's what but, I thought. Th- those were my feelings, just sure. from experiencing it first with my mother, sure, who was in basically a coma. Yeah. Until the last 24 hours and she yeah. woke up out of it and couldn't talk, but I would ask her what mm-hmm. she was seeing because she was smiling and communicating and trying to move her lips. Mm-hmm. And and I would ask her, you know, are you yeah. seeing grandma? Are you seeing your sisters? Mm-hmm. And then it's funny because I asked her if she saw another person that she was very close to and she said no. <laughs> Yeah, so. I mean, there was, she was closer at one point in her life, in not one so much point at of the her end life. of her yes, life. Yes, yes, right. But it, it yeah. was just kind of funny because she knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, there is something going on there. That's interesting. So, I'm sure we'll get some feedback for you there, Mary. So, uh, if you have some insight into that, please give us a call, 855-853-4802. Or, of course, you can always uh, write into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We've had some stories of, like, hospitals and some weird things happening we there. Have, yeah. I'm curious specifically about the hospice homes, okay. if anyone has any uh, insight into those areas. Because, I, I don't know, I could just see that being a hotbed. Maybe I'm completely off, but I don't know. Uh, 855-853-4802, again, is our phone number with your real ghost stories if you'd like to call in and uh, share one with us this evening. Let's go to another call. Hi, you're on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello. 
I listen to your show every day on my lunch break at work, so I want to thank you for doing the show and being so personally invested in its success. Um, I'm calling today because I want to share my ghost story with you. I have always been sensitive, and I've always seen things that no one else can, but as I've gotten older, I've learned to tune out the things that made me uncomfortable. But from time to time, something still gets through my filters, and from time to time, I have something unexplained standing in front of me. And this is one of those stories. When I was 20, my boyfriend's dog was hit by a car. Um, Kaiser, the dog, was a gorgeous German Shepherd. He was well-behaved and he was absolutely beautiful. He was smart and brave and everything you would ever want in a dog. Within a week of Kaiser's death, my cat had also died. We didn't know what happened to Lexi, but one day she was fine and the next she wasn't moving and she was just laying on her cat tree. We rushed to the vet, but it was too late and she had to be put down. No diagnosis was ever determined and we could never find a cause. Um, Lexi had been a really funny cat and she truly thought she was a tiger and she wasn't afraid of anything. A few weeks after their death, me and my boyfriend moved into our first apartment together. In the excitement of decorating and settling in, we didn't notice the small signs that would have prepared us for what was to come. When I was unpacking a box of kitchen stuff, I found Lexi's collar. I remember thinking that it must have accidentally packed it or knocked it into the box, but I knew I really hadn't. And when I was painting the bedroom, I'd worked my way across nearly the whole wall, and when I looked back toward the door, paint was rubbed off my wall and dragged along the door frame, as if the cat was rubbing itself on the door frame. I told myself that I just walked too close to the wall and smudged it with my pant leg, but I knew I hadn't even walked that way. And when I was sleeping in bed one night, I felt something jump into the bed, wedge itself behind my knees, and then settle in, just like Lexi always used to do. I felt the warmth of the small creature, and I reached my hand to feel what had curled up next to me, but nothing was there. Nothing except an ice-cold spot. Even as my hand felt the cold, I still felt the warmth on my legs. It was so strange. I didn't even try to offer an explanation on that one. I just slept with the lights on that night. But I wasn't the only one having strange experiences. My boyfriend woke up one night, and his hand was soaked. He touched it, and it wasn't water, but it felt more like slobber. He sat up and looked everywhere. He was sure that there would be an explanation, but he never found one. And a few weeks later, he found something. He heard something drinking water in the kitchen. He carefully walked out into the dining room, peeked around the corner of the kitchen, fully expecting to see a stray dog or a wild animal, but there wasn't anything there. And then there was what we called the phantom barking. We never heard anything, but whenever we were on the phone in our apartment, the person on the other end of the line couldn't hear us. Everyone would say, can you quiet down your dog, or whose dog is barking like that? I never heard a thing until I left a voicemail for my boyfriend and we played it back. Sure enough, barking was in the background. It didn't sound vicious, it sounded playful, and it sounded like a big dog. To be honest, it sounded like Kaiser. We didn't talk about these events much. We were still so swept up in our new place and the first time living away from our parents. The last thing we wanted to do was go back to our parents' homes and admit that we were too scared to live on our own. A few weeks later, it was a hot summer night and the air conditioner in the apartment building hadn't been working well for the past few days. And our apartment on the third floor was very hot and uncomfortable. We hadn't been laying in... We'd been laying in bed with the window fan blowing directly on us for about an hour when we heard a jingling sound. 
My boyfriend sat up and looked around the room, but nothing was there. At this time, the television was on and the room was lit up a bit, and we could easily make out the corner of every room, or I'm sorry, every corner of the room, and we couldn't see anything out of the ordinary. Then the bathroom door popped open about two feet like someone nudged it. I should say this door swung open toward the fan, not like the fan was blowing it open. Though we didn't see anything open it or go in, we did see a short shadow in the bathroom as it passed behind the door. It was not human-shaped. It was shaped like an animal, but we couldn't see enough detail to determine what kind of animal it was. My boyfriend was convinced it was a wild animal, and he grabbed his gun and bum-rushed the bathroom door. The door swung open, and he had his gun ready to take down whatever creature was there, but there wasn't anything in there. He looked at me, and I looked at him, and neither of us knew what to do, so he came back to bed. About 10 minutes passed, and it happened again. The bathroom door popped open, and this time we both went to the bathroom and pushed the door open the rest of the way. This time we noticed the cold air coming out of the room. Since the apartment had been so hot, the cold bathroom was actually kind of nice. Weird, but nice. As we were savoring the cold air, we heard a crash in the bedroom. We rushed out of the bathroom to see that everything that had been on top of the television, a vase, a book, and a picture frame, all three were on the floor shattered. And the book was on top of it. Before we could write off that, we felt something big and hairy run between us and brush between our legs. This time, when we looked down, we saw it. It was Kaiser, clear as day. He ran to the door to the bedroom and barked at us. We were both frozen and surprised, and we didn't immediately move. Kaiser barked again, only this time it was more urgent. We still didn't move. We thought we had lost our minds, and we didn't even say anything to each other. We just stood there with our mouth hanging open in shock. Then I felt something rub against my leg, and I looked down. It was Lexi, her gray stripes and all. We ran to the bedroom door with Kaiser and looked, she ran back to the door and looked back at us as if to say, are you coming? We walked toward them and they walked forward and they led us through the apartment all the way to the front door. They kept a good six feet in front of us at all times. They never let us catch up. We ran all the way into the living room and through the front door, the door that had been locked and closed before we went to bed, by the way. But that didn't matter. We didn't even think about it. We were following our beloved pet to wherever they led us. We just wanted them back. We rounded the corner from the, do- from the doorway to the hallway that led to the flights of stairs, and our animals were gone. We lost sight of them for less than a millisecond, and they were gone. We made it halfway down the second flight, and we were sure they were gone. As we were about to go upstairs to our apartment and discuss what we had just been through, the downstairs neighbor ran into us as he was ascending the flights of stairs. He looked so worried and scared, he wrapped his arms around us and said, Thank God you're alive. We laughed him off a bit, but he led us downstairs in a hurried pace. When we got to the bottom of the stairs, we walked to the large yard in front of the building. A small crowd, a small crowd stood on the grass and they stared up at the third floor. We thought it was strange because all these people were up at 3 a.m., but we looked up and everyone was looking at the building and it was on fire. At that moment, what would have been our bathroom burst into flames. We were stunned. I felt once more a brush of a warm body against my leg and I looked down just in time to see the gray stripes of Lexi fade into nothingness. 
Before I could tell my boyfriend that I had seen her again, something made us both look toward the street. Kaiser stood there, tail wagging, tongue hanging out, typical Kaiser. He disappeared like a radio station on a bad frequency as the fire truck pulled up with their lights and sirens blaring. The apartment was totaled and we lost everything in the fire, but we survived. If we hadn't left the apartment when we did, we would have died up there. That night, our animals, who we loved so much, saved our lives. And since then, we haven't seen either of them again. No more barking, no more sounds, no more warm bodies curled up with us in bed. Nothing. Uh, Thank you for listening to my story. Uh, That was an interesting story. Um, I could tell that you were reading it, so I was wondering if you had it published someplace so that we could put a link up. Um, What are your thoughts, Tony? Yeah, is it your story? That's my question. (laughs) Yeah, we could tell by your tone and and the rhythm that you were were reading it, and that's fine if you had already written it down and it was your story, but it sounds kind of familiar. Um, It sounds like a published story. It sounds like it was written by... A, a writer um, so and, and that if that's the case if you experienced this you had it published um, great um, we'd love to to hear about where you had it published um, but if you're just reading it out of a book or someplace that's not what we do on the show um, so uh, if that's the case uh, don't do that again um, anyone else out there too I mean if, if th- that maybe just don't understand how our show works um, but it's real stories from yourself we don't want to hear Reiterated stories with someone else or a story you found somewhere or something. We don't care about that. There's a thousand places you can do that. Um, but again, if it's your own story, great. But we want to make sure it is indeed your own real story. And it's more fun to hear it in your own words as you're telling it versus yeah. it being read. Versus a reiterated, you know, story that's, you know, coming off of a piece of paper. Because sometimes, you know, it's just a better, it's a, it's a better story that way. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call if you have a real ghost story and would like to share it with us. Let's go to another caller here to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Kathy in Virginia Beach. And I've had many paranormal experiences in my life, but I thought I'd start y'all off with a, a small one. Um, a few years ago, I was sitting in my family room and I was just holding clothes. It was a bright, sunny morning, and I saw an orb. It's the only time I've ever saw one. And on TV, they looked kind of small, but this one was pretty large. It was about the size of a soccer ball. It was uh, luminescent blue, light blue. It looked like there was stuff going on inside of it, but it was kind of swirling and around, and I couldn't really tell what it was. It hovered right about five feet in front of me for about 10 seconds, and then it just shut off and disappeared. I, can, I wasn't afraid, but I had no idea what it was. I knew it wasn't a car light or anything because it was a bright, sunny day, and my family room was in the back of the house, you know, away from the road. Um, I looked around trying to figure out if there's anything that could have made that, but I couldn't couldn't figure it out. Well, about 30 minutes later, I got a call from my sister-in-law who told me that my other sister-in-law, who was relatively young, she had just turned 50, um, she was fighting cancer. Well, she had just passed about 30 minutes earlier, about the same time I saw that ball. And I always wonder if maybe that was her just coming by to say goodbye to us. And that's my story. Thanks. Bye. 
Thank you for your story. You know, I, I think sometimes when those co- coincidences happen like that, they're not really coincidences, you know? I mean, what else would you write it off to being? I mean, it's not like you commonly see flying orbs, you know? I mean, right. Unless you do normally see flying orbs, which I'm assuming you probably don't. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you have yeah. a history of things going on there. Yeah. So, so I could totally see that that tying together. Uh, Michael writes in, hello, Tony and Jenna. I hope you're both doing well. This is Michael. I wrote about uh, the shadow uh, being that retreated underneath the door a few weeks back. I mentioned in my live another story regarding the bathroom in the second floor of that school. As a short recap, my brother and I went to a private school about 16 years ago in the Philippines. For reasons unknown, the second floor men's bathroom has been closed since we started attending school there. We were strictly instructed never to use it. There's been rumors that there was a student who committed suicide on the second floor, and we've always wondered if the story was true. Now on to my story. This happened about the same year my brother and I witnessed that strange shadow. I cannot remember exactly if this happened before or after that, or how long apart these incidents occurred from each other. Anyway, since this was a very small school, we didn't have locker rooms. So during PE class, uh, we would normally change in the bathrooms. This particular day, my two friends and I were running late, so instead of going downstairs to the men's room, we decided to just change to the second floor bathroom. I think it was one of my friend's ideas because I would never suggest such a thing after being told not to use it. Anyway, we were running late already and uh, two of my friends walked inside. Surprisingly, the bathroom was not locked. The bathroom itself was not big. It was just a short and narrow hall with two non-working sinks and two bathroom stalls towards the end. Dirt and dust have settled everywhere, indicating that the place hasn't been used in a while. The three of us were changing in front of the sink and we were just laughing and goofing around. All of a sudden, an empty plastic spray bottle came flying over our heads, almost hitting us. Because we were all joking around, each of us simply thought that it was one of us who threw it. About a second later, we realized that we were all next to each other when it happened, and it came directly from one of the bathroom stalls. We looked at each other, puzzled, and wondered if one of our other friends was hiding in one of the stalls. As we walked over to check, we were still laughing and being silly, so we weren't really thinking of this incident as being anything weird or paranormal. When we opened the first stall, we quickly saw that it was basically used as a storage unit. All sorts of boxes and cleaning equipment were in it. So much of it that you can't even see the toilet itself. There wasn't even enough room for a skinny person to fit inside the stall. The second stall was extremely was exactly the same. There was no way a person could uh, hide in any of these stalls, but the plastic bottle came flying from one of them. I must stress that it did not fall from one of the stalls. It flew over our heads as if someone threw it. We looked at each other a bit weirded out, but we just left it at that. A couple of things to note. None of the men's bathrooms have mirrors, including this abandoned one. From what I recall, the other bathrooms used to have mirrors, but were taken down for no apparent reason. When I asked one of the teachers about it, we were simply told that the boys spend too much time looking at themselves during breaks. If this wasn't considered a BS excuse, I don't know what is. Throughout the entire campus, we probably had three or four restrooms, and all of the mirrors were taken down from the men's only. Now that I'm older, there's an interesting thing I learned about that school. During that time, the school was facing major financial problems. So so much so that I found out the owner of the school approached certain parents asking for financial support, including ours. To me, if the stories were true, this would suggest that something has been showing up in the mirrors and 
the faculty simply decided to take them down and keep the stories and rumors to a minimum, especially since the school has enough trouble finding investors and such. We even asked the custodians, but they would simply shrug off our inquiries, never really answering our questions about the suicide or the mirrors. One of them told my friend that they're not allowed to talk about any of these incidents for fear of being fired. I wish I knew more about the stories, but those were my only paranormal experiences. I have more stories to share in the future, which I hope I can do soon. These other stories involve my entire family and have been happening in our very house since I was a child until I left for the States when I was about 22 years old. In the meantime, keep up the good work and thanks for taking the time to read this. Michael in San Diego. It's interesting. We get a lot of uh, calls of paranormal things in the Philippines or, or letters of stories in the, the Philippines. And I, I do remember him mentioning about the, uh, the cordoned off bathroom uh, in his previous uh, letter. And it always makes me think of the, uh, the creepy, horrible bathrooms in my high school. Do you remember the, the, the creepy bathrooms at, uh, at, at Goodrich High School? Were they horrible in the, uh, in the 1800s? In the 1800s, please. Were they were they creepy back then? When you, because my, my mother here, who's joining us for the show, this is the final light you'll be in here because they're they're about to head back. But uh, we we attended the same high school. Yes, um, we did. Uh, you know, obviously many years apart. But uh, was it creepy? Were they creepy back then? I didn't feel anything as far as being creeped out on those. Um, I had a. a flushing toilet that wouldn't stop at one point. Oh, they but said this. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was just a mechanical error or whatever. The but. thing is, I mean, that high school, the, the, the bathrooms I'm thinking of were in the original part of the building that was torn down, and that part kind of looked like a penitentiary. Um, oh, see, I love that school, so I never felt that way. Um, but when, when I was there, I was the last class in that building. Yes, you were. And it was in a, yeah, pretty close to a state of disrepair. Um, they had let things go in that part. I right. mean, literally, the ceilings were falling out of the bathroom in the men's underneath the stalls uh, for the one right above because of rot in the ceilings. It was always really just—it was creepy. It was your dank, uh, concrete-esque bathroom where, if you were alone in, in the building at night, I'd be very fearful that I was going to like turn and go in there and see some like child in the corner or something giggling and then disappearing. <laughs> I mean, it was just a creepy... I mean, it's almost kind of like what this guy described in his letter. Yeah, just, it could be. But you know, you guys with the mirrors, too, that, that is true. They do look at themselves way too often, so I can see them taking those mirrors down, but... The guys look at themselves in the mirrors <laughs> way ki- too often? I'm kidding you. I'm kidding Now, I could totally see that, that the, the school taking the mirrors down for that reason. We're not allowed to buy antique mirrors. No, we're not. No, no, no. Never buy a mirror. No. Are no. you against that, too? Yes. yes. Why? No. That, that's just a window. It is. Yeah. Okay, why do you feel that way? I know why... I think I've read too much. I know why Jenny feels that way, but... <laughs> well, right, I've, I've read so many things where this opens up a window for other things to happen, so... Do you think they hold energy, or do you think they just... Uh, yes, I do. Suck energy out of the existing atmosphere? Is no, I think they hold energy. I okay. do. What so, do you think, Jenny? Same thing? Yeah, I think they hold energy, and that's why I don't like antique mirrors. Uh, we had a h- couple in the house where I grew up, um, and we bought them at antique malls, and I don't remember anything happening, but I never felt real good about them. 
you know it, it was just one of those things I just always kind of like I don't know they're kind of creepy yeah um but yeah I just I don't like that because there's so much that those mirrors have reflected back over the years it's true you know yes and I just I don't want to bring any of that in you know and, and I'm very superstitious about mirrors in general like I think twice before I throw an empty compact away because I know there's a mirror in there and eventually that mirror is going to get broken you know I just I I'm very superstitious anyway oh I, I'm not superstitious it doesn't bother me but the antique part does do you still have the same mirror that you've been using to apply makeup with? Uh, oh my gosh, since... you know it. You saw it laying there, didn't you? Oh, I didn't you? even see it in oh, this okay. room now. Yes, I still have it. It's okay. in the other room. It's always <laughs> funny because I, I, there are certain things that like never go bad with you, it seems. you know, or, or you, Taped you, and you everything. You use them forever. Like I have memories of being like three years old and my mother had this certain mirror that she'd use in the morning. And then I remember the last time you were here, I looked and I'm like, oh my God, this is the same mirror that she used to get up every morning and use... Uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, if it works, it works, you know. Well, and, and funny thing is, I just cleaned out my parents' house, and there mm-hmm. was my mother's mirror, and she's been gone for over five years. And it was so strange to see her mirror because it was one I had bought her like in 1970 for Christmas. Yeah. And there it was sitting. Did you take it back? Did you? I didn't, but I, I think one of my sisters did. Yeah. Yes, because I still have mine, you know. I can't part with mine. So. Sure. That's interesting. It is. But uh, there you go, the uh, the ghostly mirrors. I, I guess I agree. I mean, I, I, I really never had an opinion on the mirror thing until you brought it up. But so, but so many people feel that way, and I, yeah. I'm going to err on the side of... So in other words, you don't want my makeup mirror when I'm gone? I'll keep yours. You, you, you want to... If you want to okay. show up every now and I have then. a new version that does light up because I can't see anymore. So I do kind of use, use that, that more because I don't carry it on trips with this me. Is, this is the travel one? This is the travel the one. The old one has become yes. the travel one? Okay. Yes. I'm like that with toothbrushes. Like, I use like my toothbrushes from when I was eight when I travel now. Not and <laughs> Oh, my That's gosh. Gross. No wonder you're losing your teeth. <laughs> I'm not losing my teeth. He's not losing his teeth. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. His hair's gone, but his teeth are good. <laughs> See, that's what happened when you use, uh, you know, hair gel from 1984. Hey, we warned you. It turns out that you. that doesn't work out very well. No. And, uh, well, so. especially when you live in Wisconsin and you go out in the cold. You know, yeah, her theory below. on me balding uh, was that uh, I put too much hair gel in, and then when I was waiting for the bus all those years, uh, that it would freeze into my scalp, and it, it killed my hair follicle. It was hair just, you know, shattered. It's one of those things you go outside and get too cold, and it just shatters. You, know, you, you have to think about it. There's not a history of balding in your family. And my dad's side, there is. Yeah, but that's they say that's a maternal gene. Yeah, and on your side, there really isn't. No, we all have our hair. And had it till they died, too. What did the mailman look like back in 1981? <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> there you go. That wraps up our show for today. 855-853-4802. If you have a, a real ghost story that you would like to uh, to share, we'd really love to hear it. Uh, you can write into us as well on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And, and share that uh, ghost story with us. Of course, press the subscribe button. And if you want that bonus episode, just email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com, uh, and we will uh, send you that uh, bonus episode if you give us a uh, review there on the iTunes. Just let us know what username you used. So, for my mother, thank you for joining us the past couple of days. Thanks for having me. And my dad, who joined us uh, two episodes ago. 
And now I think he's watching golf in the basement. Oh, or something. Probably. <laughs> Probably. And Jenny Bruski and myself, thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.